Okay, John White here with uh, Luke 10. And this is um, these podcasts, we're calling them Stories from the Revolution, because we think there's a pretty amazing and exciting and sort of scary spiritual revolution going on in this country, but we think it's kind of around the world. And um, part of what we're going to do over the course of time is interview a number of people who are sort of in this process. And today, um, I have the privilege of interviewing Colleen Kasky. Uh, Colleen and I are part of one of our uh, Luke 10 leader teams. So I've gotten to hang out with Colleen and her husband and some other folks on a regular basis. But Colleen, why don't you start first of all and uh, tell us kind of who you are and what you do. Yeah, so um, my husband Greg and I uh, live in Northern Virginia. He is studying uh, his P to get his PhD in economics. Um, so we moved here a year and a half ago. And I work for an organization called InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. I'm the regional kind of director, regional overseer for athlete ministry specifically in the Mid-Atlantic. Okay. What, what states does that involve, uh, Mid-Atlantic? It's Pennsylvania, Delaware, Maryland, and Washington, D.C. Okay. And, and you graduated from University of Delaware. I understand you, you were a bit of an athlete while you were there as well, right? Yeah, Greg and I met there through Athletes University. I was a volleyball player. He was a baseball player. Yeah. And just from the little I can tell, pretty good volleyball player, too. I think you're in the, like, the Hall of Fame of uh, University of Delaware athletes. So very cool. Yeah. Wish I could have seen you play. <laughs> it was a fun, fun season in my life. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet. So you talk about getting connected with the Luke 10 community. Kind of what prompted that what was happening in with you and greg and then what prompted it and how did you actually get in contact with us yeah so for for years in intervarsity um i had seen kind of a disconnect what i was seeing happen on campus and the ways that god was working and the deep relationships that students had and then um in our church community on Sunday mornings and throughout the week, just feeling like there was a pretty big disconnect in what I was seeing and what I thought God could do and um, the ways that um, individuals can be used by God to lead out and out of their gifting. And um, so there was a growing tension for me with that. Um, and at the same time, um, my husband was growing more and more discontent with just church as a whole. And he was a high school teacher and just, um, yeah, just growing in um, dissatisfaction with that. So church became a tension point in our marriage, and we'd fight a lot on the way to church, you know, driving to church. And I'm just, shocked. You fought on the way to church? Uh, that's shocking. Yeah, and it just, you know, we rec we're recognizing this isn't healthy, and so Greg actually kind of stopped going to church towards the end of our time in Delaware, and then we moved to Northern Virginia when he got this PhD offer um, to study economics, um, the PhD level to hopefully be a college professor. And so um, in our move down here a year and a half ago, saw that as an opportunity to rethink some of the ways that we're approaching faith in our marriage. Um, you know, I really didn't want to be one of those couples where just one person goes to church and the other person doesn't. Because I knew that Greg wasn't done with his faith. He just was done with church the way we were practicing it. And I was probably not far behind him, but, um, had a harder time letting go of kind of my established way of operating um, as a Christian. So, and so that discontent 
um, for really for both of you guys led you to do what? How did what happened next? So um, my best friend who lives in Michigan had kind of left the traditional church and was exploring um, the house church world with her husband and family. And so when we moved down here, thought, okay, why don't we try to explore that as well? Um, but we realized that we needed support. We didn't know how to do that. Um, and through my university experience, knowing that when you have people who are caring for you and kind of leaders over you, teaching you the way to go um, is really an important thing. We didn't want to go out on our own. So started Googling things and we came across your name, John, and this church 101 course in Luke 10. And so decided, okay, well, this five-week course, this should set us up for um, how to do a house church. That, that's kind of what we thought we were getting into. <laughs> <laughs> and let me just use some terminology here. Um, so we've talked about uh, Josh Packard's book, um, church refugees, and the fact that there may be as many as 65 million duns in America. And so it sounds like Greg was, he'd probably fall into that category, pretty much done with church as he'd known it. And you were, as you said, not far behind. So Josh calls them almost duns. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of the, you were, you were part of this revolution without really fully knowing about that. Yeah. So you, and, and it was, I'll just say, once we realized that there were other people who were feeling like we were, um, it was a lot easier to handle it, or I, I felt less guilty about it um, to realize, oh, we're not alone in this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You were um, so you, you discovered Luke 10 and Church 101. That's our little five-week course that we did online. Talk about what that experience was like for you doing Church 101. Yeah, so John, you encouraged us to see if there's anyone else in our life who wanted to take this Church 101 course, and um, we ended up finding a couple other couples to do it with us that are good friends of ours and were supporting us on our, on our journey. Um, and so it was really just a transformational five weeks, five or six weeks. Um, we just loved meeting together. We loved connecting at a heart level um, and just learning these two simple tools of checking in with each other and then kind of checking in with Jesus, listening to what he has to say. Um, just the, the connection we experienced within five weeks um, with people that we already knew really well, how much deeper that went was just remarkable to us. Um, and so we were, we were hooked. <laughs> Beautiful. So we were on a uh, Zoom call just to describe what that looks like for people who uh, might not uh, be, be aware of this. So we do Church 101. Um, meeting on a Zoom call for 90 minutes um, every week. There's some homework to do, some videos to watch, some things to read. And um, the course is really built around this idea of these, these two simple rhythms of attention, uh, we call them. So in which we learn how to uh, connect with our own hearts and, and share about that with each other and then how to connect with Jesus's heart. And, um, and we actually practice this stuff, so it's not just theory. So you learn these rhythms of attention and begin to apply them in some different areas. So talk about what you saw as the, uh, the impact in your own life personally and then in your marriage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I think the first thing was, um, so after Church 101, we ended up deciding to join a leader team where we just continued to practice these rhythms. And um, the biggest thing was that we never felt pressured of like, okay, now when are you going to start your house church or when are you going to, when are you going to do the next thing? When are you going to start inviting people into this? Um, it just, 
Greg and I started really deepening in our own relationship as we practiced these rhythms together as a church of two um, and just felt incredible freedom in this new way of um, operating with each other and, and thinking about church. Um, and then kind of spontaneously at one point in the spring last year, Greg just said, I think I need to start, I'd like to invite my coworkers, my, um, my classmates in his first year cohort into this. And so now it's been almost a year. We've been meeting regularly with his classmates, bringing them in. We did church one-on-one with them and we, we meet in our home. Um, but then at the same time, while we were doing that in our home and really trying to figure out, okay, what is this church life look like um, with our local community? Um, I started taking some of my athletes through it as well, specifically realizing, oh, I don't have to go to campus to connect deeply um, and travel and, you know, go overnight to, to connect with these athletes. I can do it from afar uh, via video call. Um, and so started praying that tend to be prayer, the Luke 10 to prayer, asking the Lord of the harvest to raise up workers. And then pretty soon was taking lots of people through church 101, um, kind of spontaneously. It wasn't part of my mission plan, um, for this past year, but just, um, teaching, seeing how these rhythms weren't just good for Greg and I and the people in our home, but were good for people in my work as well. And the students and coworkers that I connected with. Beautiful. You said a whole lot of really cool things there. I want to kind of uh, break those out a little bit. Uh, just again, for people who might not be familiar with uh, Luke 10, you used the phrase church of two. Talk about that. How can you have a church of two? Yeah, I think um, what we've learned from Luke 10 is that the, the most kind of micro level of church is uh, where two or more are gathered, that Jesus is there. And so Church 101 gave Greg and I the tools of how to be the smallest expression of church and how do we connect with each other at a heart level? How do we connect with Jesus and listen and obey what he tells us to do? Um, and so, yeah, all this has really stemmed from Greg and I having these new practices of faith um, so that we, we can just not go to church, but be the church together in our home and our family. Yeah. So, um, a good description of that. Sometimes we call it a CO2, Church of Two. Uh, it's where Jesus said, um, if, if uh, two or three are, are gathered in my name, I'm there. We grew out of the idea of asking the question, what's the smallest number of people you can have and still have church? Nobody had ever asked that question to me before. But we started asking the question. Everybody said, well, I guess two. I mean, is that what Jesus said? And so we described that, the CO2, the Church of Two as the basic building block of all larger expressions of church. So house church or a traditional church that is made up of multiple building blocks, CO2s, becomes way stronger. So good description of that. And our little definition is uh, two people uh, with two rhythms of attention as close to daily as possible. And, and you guys uh, are, are doing that. Um, so Greg, felt like the Lord was telling him it's time to start a house church with, again, the folks in his PhD cohort. And, and you, you and Greg took them through Church 101. Mm -hmm. I mean, you had just been through it yourselves, and already you felt like you could just take this stuff and teach it to other people? Yeah, well, and being part of the leader team was helpful because we were working through stuff with a leadership community who was doing this. But 
um, yeah, it was very simple to, um, to take our friends, people that we cared about, um, through the things that were being so transformative for us. So I think of um, I think of Second uh, Timothy two two, you know the great discipleship verse where Paul says to Timothy, "Those things you've heard from me, in the presence of many witnesses, entrust them to others." And so you really see four generations of um, of disciples there, and it's just thrilling to see you and Greg take what you learned, and now you've taught it to these folks, and this has become a house church and how would, if that's church, these people meeting in your home, what kind of church is that? I mean, what's that feel like to you? Um, yeah, I mean, something you say, John, is that church is family and it does feel like we have this family, um, family like bond now where, yeah, we do meet Sunday evenings and we have dinner together and practice these rhythms. But, um, Greg was just talking about one of the women in our church that he just really feels like is his little sister. Um, and I, I see, at least for him, this deep bond with um, and care, level of care for people in, in this community um, that is day to day and week to week. It's not just about running a program in our home. Um, it's actually deep relational connection. Um, and we're starting to see people's lives transformed in the process, which has been really fun and exciting. So, so just for fun, paint the picture of the two of you reluctantly going to church in Delaware and now this group meeting in your home. What, as you put those two things side by side, to me, that's kind of a picture of this revolution that we're talking about, but just what else would you say about that as you put those two things uh, next to each other? Hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think, um, there's a lot more ownership that we have um, and in, in the, the gathering in our home, um, we're definitely not consumers. We're in our church in uh, Delaware, it felt like we'd go and consume every week and then hopefully that would manifest in some sort of, um, I don't know, byproduct throughout the week. And, you know, in a lot of ways, the things that we're experiencing now were the things that we talked about wanting at our church in Delaware, but we, we drove 30 minutes to get to that church. We didn't live near those people as much. It was harder to connect throughout the week. Um, and we weren't sure where our non-Christian friends fit into that equation either, because it didn't seem like the gatherings on Sunday were really meant for people who didn't have much church background, or at least that's what we were wrestling with. So, um, so now we, it, it's more about, um, you know, inviting people into our home and, and, um, feeding them and, or eating a good meal together and just connecting deeply um, with this acknowledgement that Jesus is with us and that he's going to ultimately lead our time. Um, and, and there's a, there's a burden that's been lifted, I guess, <laughs> even right. as we are now leading this thing, it doesn't feel heavy. Yeah. And so previous experience, largely spectators, current experience, everybody participates. Everybody has a voice in that context. And I, I think I understand you to be saying that um, uh, you're very comfortable inviting either brand new Christians or even people who maybe maybe aren't followers of Jesus yet. Is that is that correct? Yeah, one of the people that comes to our um, our gatherings um, said that she basically was was done with faith and just um, I maybe grew up in a Catholic setting, but just didn't really want anything to do with God or faith because of a lot of the hard things that have happened in her life over the past few years. 
Um, and recently I got a text from her as she's been coming um, to our gatherings and just said, you know, she was so excited to tell me that she talked to God and thanked him for the first time, that she hasn't felt like she's had anything to really be thankful for. Um, but she talked to God and thanked him for, for this community and the change that's happening in her life. Um, and I just thought, wow, like this, I couldn't imagine how that would have happened in our other church setting um, for someone like her. But it just seems like so natural that she was able to come in, have a voice and be participating right away. And she's served us too. It's, it's been both ways. It's not just us serving her. Um, it's been a two-way relationship. So evangelism has taken place in a very, sounds like very spontaneous and relational way as opposed to a very programmatic, you know, leading people through steps. It just sort of happened as a, as a result of life together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sweet. That's great. So let, let's go to your role with InterVarsity. Again, regional director, is that the right, right name? Well, in InterVarsity, regional coordinator, but. Inter coordinator, okay, yeah. okay great term. But once again, you took the Church 101 course, which you'd just been through, without any really special training, and you, you began teaching that to students, to other staff that you have a relationship with. Talk, talk about what that was like. Yeah, I mean, I, um, oh, where do you even start with that? Because there's been so much. So I guess this time last year, I was coming off of a major conference that I run for athletes once a year. And just feeling really exhausted um, in the conference planning and recruitment and just, um, you know, the conference is always really good, but it's, um, it's a lot of work and a lot of effort and a lot of money to pull that off every year. And I was just starting to feel burnt out from it. Um, so right as this conference is ending, I'm also taking this first group of athletes from the University of Delaware through this material and just seeing like within five weeks, such a deep connection, heart connection, and just how mission was overflowing from them into their, the things they were leading on campus and their team Bible studies. Um, and so, John, you and I started talking about what if the conference changed um, the upcoming, you know, this, this following year that we just, the conference we just had, what if we did it differently, really centered it around these two rhythms of attention yeah. and training the athletes in these two things. And let me say, in the past, the conference would have been centered around what? How would you approach the conference in the past? Yeah, we do, we'd bring in the speaker, um, and then we'd also do an inductive Bible study, which is university's kind of hallmark. Um, I mean, I, I love inductive Bible study, yeah. and so we do a big inductive Bible study, and you know, kind of train, it would be like a mini training and how to do that on campus. Um, and so this year we didn't have either of those and we just had them in small groups. Or the, the thought was, what if, we, what if we had them just in small groups with um, trained facilitators who could teach checking in and teach listening to Jesus? Mm -hmm. And in preparation for that though, you did some training of some staff. How did you do that? So the team that was gonna help me this year, I, I in the fall, I cast some vision to them and said, hey, you know, I want to do the conference differently this year. I want your primary role to be small group leading, um, kind of overseeing, um, shepherding a small group of students. And so, you know, if you want to do that, though, you have to get trained in this, in this church 101. Um, so it felt like we were kind of um, building the plane in the process of flying it or however that saying goes. Um, not quite sure how this was going to work, but 
what was remarkable this fall was the staff that I was taking, the staff and volunteers that I was taking through Church 101 um, were just experiencing such deep heart connection with each other. And it was already starting to overflow into their ministry on campus and saying things like, you know, I'm using checking in with my students now, even though I never told them to do that. Um, and I just, I'm learning things about my students that I never would have known before. And other staff saying, I feel more connected to you guys. And I don't even know you guys than like my area team or my, um, my church community. And so kind of this natural deep connection that was happening among the staff um, as, as I was really just training them to prepare for this conference. <laughs> um, and I wasn't prepared for how deeply impactful it'd be in their own lives. Right. And, and they were almost spontaneously taking that to their students without, I mean, that wasn't the purpose of it. They just kind of happened in a very natural kind of way. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, wait, but we're trying to teach this to our students at the conference. Don't, don't take it to them too early, but it ended up being great because a lot of the students came in to the conference um, already having a taste of some of this because their staff was already starting to do it with them and their, their volunteers on campus. Right. Um, the other thing you were doing in preparation was beginning to pray what we call the 10 to be prayer, which we comes from Luke chapter 10, verse two, part B. Talk about attendance the previous year and attendance this year. And, and what did you see as a result of praying that prayer? Yeah, so we were really just asking the Lord um, to send us harvest workers, whether or not they're Christians yet, or just people that were going to be harvest workers back on campus. Um, and so we just, um, the recruitment part of this conference has always been an exhausting part, just trying, I'm like, I know if we can get them there, they'll have a great experience, but I'm just so tired, you know, working through their reasons why they can't come and, you know, Anyways, getting them to the conference. And so as we're praying this prayer in preparation, the registrations are just starting to pour in um, to the point where we had to actually shut down registration because we didn't have enough beds and enough small groups um, for the number of students that were signing up, which I just, I wasn't prepared for that at all. Um, and I think some of that had to do with this conference has been good in the past. So, you know, people wanted to come, sure. but also um, we started getting calls from campuses outside the region and they wanted to drive seven hours through the night to bring their athletes to this seven hour or 24 hour conference, 24 hour overnight. Um, and so that was where I was just like, okay, Jesus, this is not, this is not normal. I'm, I would never invite someone from West Virginia to drive to a 24 hour conference like this, but they're, they're willing to do it. And so we, yeah, we just, we had to recruit small group leaders last minute and do some last minute Kind of training and um, to make space for all the people who wanted to come. And last year you had about 35 there and this year you had how many? So we actually um, had about the same, we had 70 athletes and staff and volunteers this year. We actually had a similar number last year, mm -hmm. um, but I, this year my plan was to keep it smaller so that we wouldn't be so exhausted recruiting. We'd really just kind of disciple and train up some leaders. Um, so anyways, we ended up we ended up maxing out our beds and um, having a lot more people trained than I was my initial plan. Okay. And so let's go to the conference. What actually happened as uh, all the students were in these small groups and they were learning these two rhythms of attention? What did you see God do? 
Well, it was, yeah, it was so crazy because the first small group, we spent an hour, we taught check-ins from up front. They reflected on check-ins. They, they practiced it together. They debriefed how it went. And so after one hour, um, we had some large group sharing and they were just saying, I feel more connected to my small group after one hour than I do to my teammates. And my teammates are my best friends on campus, but I feel like I know these people more. Um, and some of the, even that first, you know, we had multiple small groups throughout the weekend, multiple gatherings. I felt like we could have shut down the conference after that because of how much they were learning and how much it was impacting them. Um, and then that evening we taught on listening to Jesus and um, it just, everyone in the room, you know, we had a really good teaching from up front about Mark Berkler's method of the steps to hearing God's voice. And then the small group leaders were ready to lead their athletes in that process and everybody was hearing from Jesus and one of the one of the staff reflected at the end that we didn't have a speaker this year because Jesus was our speaker and he said exactly the thing that every student needed to hear individually yeah. you, you also told me that you saw what did you say spontaneous confession and repentance talk, talk about that yeah so we um, you know we didn't we didn't have a major theme of like wanting to talk about purity or sex, which is always a hot topic for college students. We didn't talk about confession in general. We just were really teaching on these two, these two rhythms. Um, but that, that night when we had um, some singing and worship happening, um, I just looked up and saw athletes kind of laying on the floor, prostrating themselves in mm -hmm. postures of confession and then pulling people aside and confessing some sin areas in their life, specifically around purity um, and, um, you know, relationships and things like that. And at the end of the conference, I was just like, man, that wasn't even the plan, but it just spontaneously happened. And um, I'm, I was so grateful for it because I know that confession allows that deeper. And, and I think the thing that was so interesting about the confession is there was no guilt or shame. It felt like confession was coming from this place of, lovingly hearing God's voice and just wanting deeper connection. And so confession was, was a part of that. Yeah. Um, and yeah. it was really remarkable to see. I've never, I've never seen athletes laying on the ground in deep confession like that. Um, and it was, it was just amazing. So what, as the, as the leader, right, what were you feeling as you watched all this taking place? You know, you, nobody told them to confess sin and repent. And nobody told them to do all these things. What what was going on inside of you as you were as you were watching all of this? Yeah, I think I was just having this deep sense of um, this is the way I want to do ministry, almost like really letting Jesus lead, like getting out of the way, letting Jesus lead, and being being flexible and ready to move whatever direction He wants to take things in, um, and that rather than me having to. Because another thing that they kept talking about was taking these things back to campus and starting Bible studies with their teammates where they can use these rhythms, um, which in the past, you know, it's very staff directed. Okay, go start a team Bible study. Go, you know, this is what Athletes University is about. Um, but spontaneous mission was the overflow of them just connecting with each other and Jesus. And I just had this sense of relief of like, this is the way I want to do ministry. I want, I want to teach people to connect to Jesus so that I don't have to carry burdens that aren't mine to carry um, in how I train these athletes. Yeah. Wow. That's a, that's a wonderful story. 
So last question. Um, this, is, this podcast is Stories from the Revolution. And I'm picturing people listening to this uh, probably in all different places. Um, you know, some of them have, like Greg, have either left or ready to leave church. Others have maybe have one foot out the door. Maybe they're in a parachurch ministry like you are. Maybe they're leaders. Maybe they're not. Anything you'd like to say to the people who will be listening to this podcast? Anything you'd like to convey to them or, or share with them based on what you've experienced? Hmm. Yeah, I think if, um, if any of this is resonating with you, um, just to know that you're not alone. I think Greg and I, part of our, sometimes our, our arguing around this was just feeling like no one else is feeling the way we are and there's something wrong with us. And so that was causing um, tension in our marriage and in our relationship with the Lord. Um, and so that, it, you know, looking back, it really felt risky in the moment to, okay, we're not going to find a traditional church when we move and we're going to explore new things. But um, now I can't imagine not having taken those risks. I mean, the risks feel so small given the payoff of the way that um, our relationship has just deepened and the, what Jesus is doing in each of our lives um, because we've decided to try something new um, and, and follow the gentle urging that we were feeling of just wanting something more, wanting something different. Um, and so I'm so glad that we stepped out and that we found Luke 10 and that this has just been um, transformational in our own lives and it's just spilling out. Um, and everyone around us is hearing about this and experiencing it now. Beautiful. Colleen, thank you so much. It is just a delight for me to, uh, to be on the journey with, with you and Greg. And uh, we get to meet together at least every other week on our leader team calls as well as other times. So uh, thank you so much for sharing your story. Really appreciate it. Thanks, John. You bet.